Welcome to the Civil War Regiments Podcast, here to provide you with the reading of accounts of the common soldiers of the American Civil War, the eyewitnesses who lived, fought, suffered, and died through five years of brutal conflict. It is my hope that the reading of these accounts will make history come alive for you and offer a better understanding of daily life during the American Civil War. Today's account is from Bloody Banners and Barefoot Boys, A History of the 27th Regiment, Alabama Infantry, The Civil War Memoirs and Diary Entries of J.P. Cannon, compiled and edited by Noel Krausen and John Brogdon. J.P. Cannon was born in Gravely Springs, Alabama in 1843 and enlisted in Company C, 27th Alabama Infantry, in December 1861. Serving in many major campaigns of the Western Theater, such as Fort Donelson, Port Hudson, the Atlanta Campaign, and Hood's Tennessee Campaign. He survived the war and was paroled in May 1865. In the following account, Cannon writes of the second day of the Battle of Nashville, Tennessee, December 16, 1864. After the bloody Battle of Franklin, Tennessee, the battered members of the Army of Tennessee had laid siege to George Thomas's Union defenses at Nashville. After one day of battle, the Confederates were barely hanging on, and when the Federals launched a massive assault on December 16th, Cannon writes of the collapse of his regiment and the entire Confederate Army. Here follows his account. Friday, December 16th, 1864. At daylight, the booming of cannon all along the line awakened those of us who were inclined to slumber and foretoken the dreadful ordeal for which we were to pass today. It is seldom the case that an army is in worse condition for meeting its enemy in battle's dread array than ours is at this time. Having suffered numerous defeats in the past six months by an overwhelming force only yesterday driven from our works, thousands killed and captured, we are now reduced to less than 20,000 effectives. Opposed by a victorious army numbering perhaps more than two to one. It was to be expected they would come with redoubled energy today. Realizing all these disadvantages, we could but feel somewhat dispirited. With the determination to do our whole duty, we nerved ourselves up to the point of making one more heroic effort to stay the tide of disaster that has befallen us. We awaited the attack with the deepest solicitude. As soon as the sun had dispelled the morning mists, we could see two lines of blue drawn up before us, while the artillery from its commanding position was dealing death and destruction in our thin ranks. The cannonading was terrific and continued almost without intermission during the day. Shells and solid shot passed through the stone fence behind which we were sheltered, scattering stones in every direction and mangling men in a shocking manner. To lie still under such a destructive artillery fire produces a feeling of dread that cannot be described. This is more demoralizing than to be actively engaged in battle. But we had to endure it for six long hours without even a skirmish to divert our attention. Our artillery replied only occasionally, husbanding their ammunition, which was scarce, for the final contest they all knew must come before long. About 1 o'clock p.m., the enemy made an attack on our left, gradually driving our boys back 
until the fighting seemed to be almost in our rear. Then hurrah, hurrah, hurrah was heard in our front, and we knew the tug of war was coming. All dread vanished, and excitement took its place. On they came, two lines of blue through the open field in a double quick. Our old reliable point coop, our brigade battery, opened at once, first with shell, and as they approached nearer, with grape canister. Then a storm of many balls was let loose from behind the stone fence, and the yells of Confederates and hurrah of Yankees were drowned under the roar of musketry and artillery. Men were falling on both sides, and it seemed for a time that the bayonet would be the means of ending the contest. A few more rounds made it so hot that the enemy began retiring, though only for a short distance. Rallying, they moved forward again, and the battle raged fiercer than before. Still confident that we could hold our position, we defiantly called to them to come on, but they seemed unwilling to come to close quarters, yet determined not to retreat. During this time, we could not know what was taking place on other parts of the line. We were feeling rather exultant when, on looking to the left, we saw thousands of the blue coats pouring over the hill not 200 yards away. They were sweeping back our lines like chaff before the wind. It is said that our officers now, seeing the day lost, ordered a retreat. If so, we did not get the order and continued to maintain the unequal contest under a galling fire from both front and flank until the two lines had almost enveloped us. Colonel Whedon of our regiment ordered all who could to save themselves. The enemy were closing upon us from front and flank and so near as to order us to surrender. A portion of the regiment stacked arms, but what proportion I am unable, after so long a time, to say. Some of us, however, determined to escape if possible. A race of half a mile for life and liberty through open, level fields to a range of hills covered with timber was our only hope. We ran in an oblique direction to avoid both lines. Some were killed immediately after leaving the stone fence, and many others struck down within the first hundred yards. After that, I have no recollection of seeing another member of the regiment. The ground had been frozen, but recently thawed, which rendered it very laborious running, and many were so exhausted I had to surrender. I passed a ditch, or gully, where a hundred or more Confederates had taken refuge, and at my suggestion they had better be making tracks, replied that they could not run a step further and were compelled to give it up. By the time we reached the hills, our squad was reduced to about half a dozen, the remainder who were not disabled or captured, having taken some other route. Here the rider had a close call, but no damage was done except to disfigure my new uniform, which I had worn just one month. J.P. Cannon, 27th Alabama Infantry.